You're listening to the Warrior Priest Podcast. This is the Warrior Priest Podcast, midweek debrief, number 27. And I'm the Warrior Priest, Donovan Riley. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage. Rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men, at their end no dark is right. Because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying, how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage. Rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight. And learn. Too late. They grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death. Who see with blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage. Rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage. Rage against the dying of the light. I am surrounded on all sides by darkness, by malevolence, cruelty, violence. I see it every day. I hear it. I listen to it. I'm forced to engage it. I see people hurting themselves self-injuring, self-destructive, caught in a cycle of violence and self-inflicted cruelty because they've been deformed, twisted up, perverted by years of cruelty inflicted on themselves and the cruelty that others have inflicted upon them. Sometimes going all the way back to their childhood. And they beat themselves. And they curse themselves. They are ashamed of themselves. Because they do not understand themselves. They see themselves. When they look in the mirror, they see their reflection. They see themselves reflected back at themselves from others. And yet, they don't know themselves because they cannot face the malevolence in their own heart, the darkness that has swallowed up their heart. I see darkness everywhere. It surrounds me. 
like someone turned off the light switch in the world. I sit with the dead and the dying. I bury them and I stand at their grave. And I say holy words over their coffins as it's lowered into the open mouth of the grave. I listen to people's confessions, their laments, the hopes that were quenched decades ago, lost loves, opportunities missed, time wasted, relationships torn apart by selfish, self-serving, self-indulgent attitudes. I talk with people every day who exist. I live in a culture of death. I cling to the light in a world of darkness. I look and I listen on social media in conversations that I have with people every day. And what do I see? I see godless people searching for their God. I see people with no priests to preach any good news to them, crying out for a good word in the midst of their hopelessness and despair, their confusion, their doubt. I see people every day, and I talk to people every day, who want a glimpse of the future. Just open the door a crack so that we can see about tomorrow or next week or five years from now. Send us a prophet to reveal the future to us so that we know what to do to prepare for it. And so I see people and I talk to people every day who walk in darkness, who fear the light. I see people who worship the state as a god, as if the state can save them from bad habits, bad decisions, bad health. I see people turn to experts and treat them like they're high priests before the altar of God. I see people turn on the TV and listen to the talking heads speak as if they're prophets who can reveal to us tomorrow and the next day and a year from now. And so what I see every day, what I encounter and engage with every day, is a culture of death. Because the state is not our God. Our governors, our mayors, senators, congressmen, the president, they can't save us ultimately from what is coming. The experts can't give us a diagnosis or a prognosis that if we follow it can prevent the inevitable. The talking heads on the TV cannot give us a glimpse of the future that does not involve 
our own end. And as a consequence, not only are we surrounded by darkness in a culture that worships death, that is always attempting to put off death or escape death, or put that death, their death, on someone else's shoulders. But I see a culture that worships death, that makes decisions not based on how to live, but instead on how to avoid dying. Most of the people that I meet every day are not alive. They're not living. They're just not dead yet. Emotionally, their heart might be broken. They might be cold and callous, apathetic even. I meet people who are intellectually broken, who struggle and suffer and are afflicted by mental illness. I know people who are physically handicapped, broken, who sit in their wheelchair and don't go outside because they're ashamed of how they look in their wheelchair. They're ashamed of having to ask for help. They're afraid of what might happen if they get into a situation and they can't get themselves out of it and they have to ask for help. I see people every day and I talk and engage with people every day who are cowards. And they've been made cowards by fear because what they fear most is death. And so they walk in darkness all the way. And they don't rage against the dying of the light. They don't see the light. They whimper. They whine. They scream and they cry. They claw the air. They kick. They run to try and escape. But how do you escape darkness? If you don't have the light. How do you find your way through the darkness without light? And if someone were to come along and shine a light at your feet, how would you react having lived in darkness for so long, maybe your whole life? Would you recoil in pain at the shining of the light in the darkness? Would you treat it as something alien and strange and a threat to you? If someone shined a light at your feet so that you could see the path in front of you, behind you, beside you, would you be horrified by it? Would you run away from the light? Would you stand in the light? What if someone came and told you the truth? What if someone pulled back the veil on reality? and exposed you, revealed to you that what you call reality is simply a set of boundaries that you refuse to trespass. And you joined yourself together with others who agreed on the same boundaries and you formed a social contract to stay inside the darkness and to never go outside of it. What if someone came along and told you that there was light in the darkness. How would you treat them if they told you the truth? If they came and they pointed the way to God to you, the real God, the true God, 
a real savior, if they pointed you in the way that leads you out of the darkness and out of cruelty and malevolence, at the very least, away, away from, a way to escape from doing it to yourself or allowing others to do it to you. What if someone came to you and said, I have seen the light and I have been sent back into the darkness to retrieve as many as I can. I have been sent back in the darkness to be a light to those who still dwell in darkness. My God sent me here to announce the good news to you that you do not have to go whimpering, cowering gently into that good night of death. And that, yes, it is dark. And yes, there are people, even wise men, who will tell you that the dark is good, that the dark is right, that the dark is the only path. And therefore, stay in the dark. Remain afraid. Embrace shame. But whatever you do, never, ever try and trespass past the boundaries of reality. I had a conversation today. Again, the same conversation I've had numerous times in just the past two weeks in which I had to say, as much as you want to believe that I'm revealing the whole truth to you right now about this subject, I'm giving you a peek. I'm opening the door just a crack to let the light shine in. Because if I told you the whole truth, if I show you what I've been shown, the pictures, the videos, the emails, the text messages, the statistics, if I showed you the whole truth of what I've been shown, even though it's real, even though it's videographic evidence of what's happening out there right now in the world, in your community, you would refuse to believe it because it violates the boundaries of what you have determined as reality. And so you would look at it and say, that can't possibly be real. What's happening what I see with my own eyes and what I'm hearing with my ears can't be real because it trespasses the boundaries of what I know to be true and real. And I said to this person, if everybody saw what I've seen and witnessed the darkness, the true satanic malevolent darkness that exists in this world, to see people bought and sold, to see people tortured for other people's enjoyment, to see people beaten, cut apart, thrown around, and tossed aside like garbage. It would push the bounds of your faith and your belief in a good God. And yet, the people that do these things that I've witnessed firsthand in villages, in cities, on paved roads, on dirt floors, up in the mountains, in orphanages, in shelters, in foster care, in prisons, 
in city jails, in the back of police cars, country roads, cemeteries. You see, those people do believe. And they do believe in something that you say doesn't exist. But it doesn't matter whether you believe Satan exists or not, or whether true evil exists or not, because they believe it. They believe they're worshiping something satanic. They believe that what they're doing is respecting their deity, the one who they call the king of this world, the ruler of this world. They are the ones who walk in darkness, who embrace the darkness. They are the predators in the darkness, the hunter. I've seen them in churches. I've seen them in homes. I've seen them prey upon young and old alike, boys and girls, men and women. I've seen them prey upon people in nursing homes. I've seen it swept under the rug. I've seen people try and cover it up. I've seen people expose it and lose their jobs. I've seen whole businesses shut down because it was so widespread. But because people have made up their mind that that doesn't happen here. It doesn't happen to people they know in the present tense. It doesn't happen in a civilized society like ours. They refuse to believe that other people believe that what we call evil, the things that happen in the darkness, the things that often hide in plain sight, exist because we allow them to exist. Because we don't rage against the dying of the light when we see it happening. We don't go back into the darkness in order to fight to rescue those who dwell in darkness, who are slaves in the dark. We don't fight against the predators because in those moments when we're called to show up, to be courageous and brave and to speak up for the victims, we say nothing. We do nothing. And we hope, in spite of our own guilt, that someone will say or do something. Wise men, good men, wild men, grave men near death. All of them have something to say about life and death, darkness and light, good and evil, about this world, about the people of this world, about the intent and the motives of our own hearts. But what I'm saying is that right now we can't sit and do nothing. We can't do nothing, say nothing, ignore it, hoping it'll go away, or walk away hoping someone else will take responsibility for the evil that we witness in our homes, in our communities, in our society. We are surrounded by darkness. Our cities are on fire. 
there are people who are using the citizens of this country as political pieces on a chessboard. And they are content to allow their cities to burn, to allow babies to be murdered in the streets just so they can maintain hold of their own political power. Before I hit record, I watched a video of a young woman in Beirut. She was posing for wedding pictures. So this young woman, dressed in her bridal gown, absolutely beautiful young woman, beautiful bridal gown. The photographer heard the sound, the videographer heard the sound, and they ran for cover, and then the shockwave hit them. And what I found saddest about that wasn't the explosion, as horrible as that is. What was saddest to me was that as soon as they heard the sound, they ran for cover before the shockwave hit them. They knew and recognized that sound. To them, that's normal. And they're prepared to react to that sound. So when they heard the first explosion, that first sound of that explosion reached their ears before the shockwave even got to them. They ran for cover. And so what is intended to be a joyous celebration of the beginning of a life between a man and a woman joined together in matrimony as husband and wife, all of their hopes and their dreams Everything that they had built up in their imaginations about that day and every day after that for themselves is now earmarked. There's a bookmark now in their lives and the lives of their friends and their family and everyone around them that our marriage day, our wedding day was the day that our city exploded. It was the day that that shockwave blasted through us as we stood and waited, posed for our wedding pictures. That darkness reached out and touched them in that moment, and it stole their joy. Not just for that moment, but like I said, that will color their relationship for the rest of their lives. And what I pray is that that moment of violence and malevolence and explosive force is something that they can actually use to propel their marriage forward so that they cherish not only their own life, but they cherish each other. And God willing, they have children. They cherish their children all the more. Because in that moment of that explosion, had they been closer to the port, who knows what would have happened to them. So maybe when we are confronted by darkness, and for those of us who have walked out, who are then called to walk back into that darkness, to shine a light into that darkness, maybe that's why we shine so bright. Maybe that's why, even on a day like today, when I want to quit, 
and just lay down on my bed and close the shades and turn off my phone and just give up because I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted from fighting. But I can't. I want to, but I can't. It's not in me to quit. And sometimes I actually hate myself because of that. Because I see other people quit. They sit down. They don't get back up. And even though, in a sense, I revile them and I judge them for being weak and cowardly and quitting, there's a part of me that envies that. Because I can't do that. I'm not wired that way. I wasn't made to be that way. And so my whole life, I have tried to choose darkness over light. I've chosen to be godless rather than godly, immoral rather than moral, a criminal instead of a law-abiding citizen. I've chosen to be an addict, a pathological liar, someone who is untrustworthy, a thief, selfish, self-destructive, only focused on death and killing myself sooner than later rather than have to suffer and struggle and live the rest of my life in this cruel and horrible and torturous world. And here I am, a second lifetime away from that person. The person I was tried to quit, tried to give up and check out. I tried to kill myself many times by the time I was 24 years old. And had I succeeded, everything that I've gone through up to this point, good and bad, right or wrong, good decisions and bad, everything that I've received that can never be taken away from me, everything that I've received that will never wear out or pass away, I would have never been there for that. And to think of all the people that have been affected by the darkness by cruelty and evil. All those who have been enslaved and tortured by it and held hostage to it. All those who have been deformed and perverted by what's been done to them. Who would trade places with me in a second. Today, I choose not to quit for them. Because I have the option to quit. I have the choice. I can quit. I can close the shades and lay down and go to bed. My kids will take care of each other. My wife will pick up the slack at the house. My teammates won't miss me that much. My coach will ask me what happened, but he'll be okay with my decision. It's just one day. It's just one class. It's just one moment. But that is a choice that I have the luxury of making. Whereas the people that I fight for, they don't. They don't have that choice. Other people make that choice for them. And so even on a day like today when I'm exhausted and I want to quit, so bad I can feel it. It's physical. And even though I fight back tears, 
I don't want to scream curses at the world. I want to beg God to shower his wrath and furious anger with all of its violence down on us. I want the fire of righteous judgment to consume all of the evil of this world and purify it seven times over. I know in my heart, I know. And you do too. That we're not going to quit. We're not going to give up fighting. Even if all is lost, <laughs> I'm still going to try and get back up because that's just the way I'm made. But it's also a part of living because we lived, because we got back up after every defeat, after every time we were knocked down, after every time we decided we were going to quit, but we got back up and tried just a little bit harder, maybe just to move one foot in front of the other, maybe just to make it back to our beds at the end of the day, make it to the tick of the clock, make it through just one more conversation, one more job review, one more round so that we could get there to that sad height like Dylan Thomas writes. Curse or bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray, Father. But do not go gentle into that good night. Instead, we face the darkness. We embrace the light. We point at the evil that happens in this world. And we don't try and turn away from it. We don't turn our backs to it and we don't wait for someone else to show up to fix it or to do something about it. We are the doers. We are the ones who chose to stand up and to hold fast to the light. We are the ones who choose goodness over evil, kindness and forgiveness and tenderness and compassion over malevolence and violence and cruelty. We are the ones who will not cower in the darkness and whimper and whine and give way to shame and fear. We are the ones who rage. We rage against the dying of the light. Because if it isn't us, then who? And if not now, when? So when all around you seems to be unjust and wicked and malevolent. When everything seems dominated by satanic darkness, remember, they're on borrowed time. And that's why they rage against the light. Because they are pretenders. They are false gods. They are not God. They are not priests, they are not prophets, and their death worship will result in no other conclusion other than that they themselves are swallowed up by death. And so we who serve life and who live and worship a God of life and seek to be good men and women of good character, who stand up for those who are poor and in need, 
for those who are victimized, for those who are held hostage and tortured by those narcissistic, deformed personalities that hate themselves and are angry and rage against others. To them, I say, you're on borrowed time. We're coming for you. We will fight you. We will rage against you. And if you knock us down, we will stand back up. And we will keep getting up. And we will keep fighting. No matter what the cost. And we will stand up and we will fight for all those who are not allowed to stand, who are not allowed to speak, who are bound up and tied down and restrained and oppressed. We will fight for them until they are set free and until they are brought out into the light. So expose evil to the light. Call it out. Face it. Be brave. Pray. And rage. Rage against the dying of the light. That's all I got today. I'll talk to you again on Saturday. Peace.